Hi, this is Cynthia Kranz. I am best known for voicing Chi-Chi in Dragon Ball Z, Botan in Yu Yu Hakusho, and Mitzi in Crayon Shin-Shan. Be sure to check out Chronicles of the Lost Realm. Yay! We screwed it up already. Welcome to Chronicles by the Campfire. I am Chris Frisali. I'm also known as the Moody Ferran. And joining me today is some of the other members of the Stumble Crew that you didn't get to meet. And some of the members that you already did meet, but we're going to meet them again. Starting off, we have Akla, a.k.a. Zephyr Zero. Who temporarily stepped out of the room and will be back in just a moment. <laughs> That's the best. That was the best role-playing I think I've ever heard Zephyr do. He almost sounded like a girl. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> we have you, our... You really got that voice in. <laughs> we got that uh, that that crazy dr uh, drunk old DM, Mr. Anvil. Hello. <laughs> Calgon, take me away. <laughs> Coming to you from a tub full of gin. If you ever ask, if you ever watch the twenties again, if you ever speaking of the twenties, if you ever watch Batman the animated series and wondered what it would be like if Scarface could actually walk and talk like Pinocchio, we have Muggsy played by Dylan. Huh. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the one of the members you guys didn't get to uh, dig into too much, but let's be fair. After you've heard episode two, you 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 kind of wish you could forget him. Uh, <laughs> Aelin, played by UA Blackwings. Hey, I I left an impression. That's all that matters. <laughs> An impression. Whether, whether it was a good impression. It resulted in a pretty intense discussion about how that scene could have run and still not uh, violated Twitch. I'm pretty sure the Stachybus's hand left more of an impression on your face. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and, and yet I still am true. She, uh, an impression was left, <laughs> and we did not violate Twitch's terms and services. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start off. I'm gonna start off with allegedly a, with Aelin here, allegedly, <laughs> because everybody who's listened to the last episode of, of uh, Chronicles by the Campfire, you already know the rest of us. But Aelin, describe your character and and your character's motivations, because. Quite honestly, like, and I, I don't, I don't mean this in a mean way, 
because obviously when, when everybody was introduced in episode one, uh, you know, everybody outside of the returning characters were, were kind of start off generic because you're, you're nobody knows the character yet. But you automatically took genetic generic intro and went completely left turn. <laughs> so to tell us about Aelin and, and what motivates him. Well, as I mentioned in the last Chronicles by the Campfire that we did before Season 2 started, I'm a novice when it comes to d and I, I don't know what a generic intro is. You so walked, you walked just, into a bar, had a drink, and somebody offered you a quest. Generic D&D. Well, that's exactly <laughs> what I did. I walked into a bar, I had a drink, I was shown what the hell Dreen is by Xavier. <laughs> Bleen. And, Bleen. And Dreen, that, Dreen is a completely oh, different thing. It's Bleen. <laughs> thank you, Bleen. Bleen. <laughs> Sh- yes, show it's what, Bleen. It's bleen, not not mean or 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 or, or grack. Or grack. <laughs> no, grack is a glack. goblin knight. Not, not a glock, glack. <laughs> so anyway, you were Jack. saying. So so I'm wondering where did I take the left turn? Most people don't think the first actions they want their character to do is get laid at a brothel. Okay. But well, you were adamant about it. Why not? <laughs> oh no, no, I'm not I'm dogging. Sorry. Understand, I am not I am not dogging your character or your choices. I'm just that's not something you normally hear a character say in a play. You know, in a playthrough when you're sitting around a table. That was like, wow, he went he went there. <laughs> well, I mean it's not, it's not. It's not like we ever visited a brothel with our other charisma character. So I just want to say, everybody, if he he saved you guys, if he hadn't, the prostitutes would have started casting uh, uh, coercions on you to coerce you to uh, pay them. Okay, uh, show of so hands. How many? Without do doing anything, they would have like coerced you to just tip them for no reason. <laughs> so in retro so in the grand scheme of things I actually did a good yep we never he saved you all some money <laughs> no no Under, understand I'm not we saying ne- we never we never said we never said you did a bad we're just making fun of you for playing a charisma character the way the people stereotypically <laughs> play charisma characters well keep keep alright obviously spoiler territory for those that may not have listened to episode 2 yet if you haven't stop here go listen to episode I don't want to spoil it for you. It's funnier than shit. It is. That being that being said, now, not only were you adamant about you're going here, like forget fuck the package that we're supposed to pick up. The hell was that? There's tits and ass here, and I want to get laid. How do I get into the back room? So you get told, <laughs> and you were adamant about a succubus. <laughs> Okay. That is the uh, character left turn, or the player left turn. <laughs> I like fuck, fuck the half elf, fuck the drow, fuck, fuck all the other types of females that I could. I want the one that could steal my soul, and you bargained <laughs> it. The... The... <laughs> <laughs> 
See, in retrospect, <laughs> I should I, I had a moment similar to what you did the, when you were on Saturday, Chris, of you went back to the recording and when you went upstairs to grab your gear, you said you were gonna make this right. You should have said you're going on a stumble quest. Right. I had one I had one of those moments a little while ago as I was thinking about episode two. I should have rolled a persuasion check to try to lower it down even further. <laughs> because because my persuasion my persuasion is something that I'm good at. And the fact that I was able to negotiate it down to what I did, I was rather proud of. But I have a feeling I could have done a little better. Nice. <laughs> I don't know. Probably not. You're not a bard. Also, it's the succubus. <laughs> hey, I left a happy, a happy customer. That's all I'm going to say. And in answer to your question, Chris, of why the succubus, off of the list of creatures that our DM rattled off, Succubus was the first thing he said, and I stopped listening. He heard suck. That was it. <laughs> hey, now. Now, it, the, the, basically, to get you to know... know I, I, am, I am honestly curious to see how he would have done with a persuasion check without the jack-of-all-trades feature. Well, I don't know what, what that is. Want to enlighten me, Keith? Uh, Jack of all trades Jack... is a bard feature. Everything you're bad at, you're suddenly good at. Everything you're good at, you're amazing at. <laughs> Jack of all trades doesn't affect uh, doesn't affect things you have um, training or expertise in. It only affects skills that you are not actually uh, trained in. <laughs> yeah. And so persuasion is something I'm trades, proficient in. So Jack of all trades wouldn't have affected this at all. So is it is it fair to say, Alan? Is it fair to say to get to know to get to know Alan a little bit here? Is it fair to say that even if it wasn't necessarily planned, that uh, that Alan would be this type of character? Has this uh, current session kind of helped build his personality? In other words, is he going to be one of those pervs that every time we go into a town, he's going to look for the fucking red light district? No, no, I, I, I will absolutely deny that flat out right now. If, if you they... just ruined it for him, I don't know. That could be funny. That could be a nice, funny way to play your character. Yo guys, well, so, no, I, I have a specific way that I want to play this character, and I'm actually basing it off of a character from an anime that I like. But it, it was something that purely because of the fact that it was spoiled for us in episode one that there was a brothel here. I decided, okay, I'm going to make my mark, and I'm going to make my mark here. But <laughs> outside did. of that, when when we get into other towns, the idea is going to be I'm still part of the group. I'm going to go into the bar. I'm going to have a few drinks. I'm going to have a good time. If I find a good-looking woman somewhere there, sure, I'll take a chance. But I'm not going to go looking for the next brothel. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know if anybody's introduced you to the concept of flaws in D and D, but uh, it, it's a nice way to add some flavor to your character, and also. Are you uh, okay? Sometimes with a D and D. Yeah, you. Uh, what? Oh, he's talking to Mark. Yeah. Hey, yeah, Andrew, your mic is still live. 
<laughs> Sorry. Was, there was a loud thump from the other room. I was making sure my fiance is okay. I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anywho. Basically, uh, what I'm saying about flaws is uh, it's a nice way to add some flavor to your character by giving them a, a downside that most DMs will reward an additional effect to your character for role-playing that downside. Um, yeah. Uh, for, for instance, Billy had a flaw. Yeah, he had a lot of them. We, we actually never got to showcase Billy's specific flaw, though. Well, technically, Farah had a flaw, too, in Season 1. His flaw was supposed to be he had no memory of his yeah. past life. He, he, was, uh, he was supposed to through the journey discover the fact of Nim and and everything like when we originally designed Farad, Farad was supposed to be like a blank slate he had no idea about what he was out adventuring for you know and, and uh, but... unfortunately it wound well not unfortunately actually fortunately I'd say for the storyline purposes and which goes into what uh, Keith was saying and that I was going to say to to Aelin Flaws are not necessarily locked in stone either. Uh, through the course of your role play, new flaws can be developed, a.k.a. like, again, for example, Ferran's alcoholism. That was supposed to be a one-off joke that became a flaw that actually worked well with the character dynamic. Right. Uh, but uh, as I was saying, like Billy had a flaw that we never got to actually showcase before he did it. Uh, Billy's flaw was that... Um, Billy Knoll is not his real name, but uh, due to the nature of how he was summoned to the world, he was compelled to respond uh, to the question, what is your name, with Billy Knoll. Like, he couldn't give any other answer. <laughs> and no matter how hard he tried to say his name was something else, it would always come out Billy Knoll. And uh, nobody ever actually, like, legitimately asked me my name except for the first time. I don't think I ever did ask you your name. I'm, I'm, I, I think it's just from everybody else saying it is how Ferran knew your name. <laughs> Take it back on it. I don't think we ever actually did say, hey, by the way, Bard, what's your name? <laughs> yeah. like, no, nobody asked, really, and, and so we never actually got the chance to showcase this. Um, but, uh, yeah, Billy's flaw was like, Billy's not his real name. It was a name that was given to him by the Chronicler when he was shoved into this world and uh he was compelled to state that his name was billy Knoll. <laughs> i mean and some flaws can be really entertaining like i played a previous campaign where due to a really bad thing that happened to one of the characters they developed a very specific phobia and this phobia would frequently manifest in such a way that they would take longer to go through a room because they had to avoid a specific object and so it actually did alter how certain combats went because this person flat out refused to step on a rug. <laughs> and so you can get some really... She got rolled up in a rug that got set on fire. It was a whole thing. Um, so it can add some really fun dynamics to a lot more than just, like, my character's background because the play of the game rolls differently if you have a character that won't do something because through the course of the event, they have developed a specific issue. Yeah. A perfect like, there's absolutely nothing wrong with playing a charisma-based charisma character 
that their flaw is they're an absolute horn dog. That can actually be really fucking funny. Well, the, sometimes the, if you play it right. The best the best way I could I, I could think of describing this because the, the way the way uh, Phoenix described uh, just described the flaw about like you know claustrophobia and all. The best way I could describe it, it, you know, in in a real world scenario, which again the the the, the flaw flavor to characters fleshes out the character more. Nobody. Nobody, listener-wise or game-wise, it, it's not fun when your character is all-encompassing robot that, that has no problems. And what she's describing, the best way I can use as, as, as a metaphor is think of Indiana Jones. The guy, <laughs> Why did it have to be snakes? The guy, the guy was an absolute beast on everything he does unless it had to do with snakes. <laughs> I still handle snakes better than most people. I'll be honest. <laughs> so i'm i might incorporate that a little more into awin's character but i have one potential issue with that and that is purely with the fact that our dm has given us the warning multiple times toward your gold well that well they got none of that warning oh yeah, oh, yeah you came in late <laughs> well, well, you know, you know what? That's heads up. Well, that that could be well, that could um, be that could be incorporated with your with your haggling and your 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 persuasion checks. You're still hoarding your gold. You're so you go trying to get, for lack of a better term here, you try to get a a, a prostitute or something like that. Deal. But you talk her down to like I don't know. You try to get her to pay you. Haggling with the hey. I'm game. <laughs> that, that's something. That's something that's worth trying. I could. Oh my god! Could you see if he gets a successful one where he gets a a, a hooker to to uh, to pay him to have sex with her, and then the pimp finds out. <laughs> <laughs> see, see what we're doing right now. And Muggsy knows him. Even though he's, <laughs> even though he's in a bathtub. Oh my god. What? It, are we really trying to encourage UA to play a fuckboy sorcerer? <laughs> <laughs> so, so what we're doing right now, even though he's in a bathtub soaking, Anvil is writing all of this down, and he's going to find a way to make this the worst possible thing in the world, and we're all going to die laughing. So, which makes it the <laughs> best thing thought. in the world. If Muggsy saves him from the pimp, does that make Muggsy his pimp? No, but yes. even even worse. I'm just saying, Muggsy, technically yes. Muggsy, yes, yes Muggsy, it does. Muggsy, Muggsy saves him on numerous occasions from other pimps and everything else because he knows the community and shit. And then one day we wind up in 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 uh, brownstone fucking you know town somewhere in in down the line and. All of a sudden, here's here's uh, Eowyn doing what he does, and he gets a hooker and, you know, everything else. And... Where's my cut? No, instead of that, it's, wait a minute, motherfucker, that one's mine. <laughs> 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 Turns out Muggsy's the pimp. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey Muggsy, you, you want to go here, bud? <laughs> She's paying. <laughs> Oh, Lord. We're in so much trouble. 
I think it's an interesting concept. I, in fact, I think that's a great topic of conversation. Like, we're obviously going to talk about season two, but I think it's a great topic of conversation about character flaws. Like, we we, we kind of sort of have an idea of Aeolins uh, because of episode two and what we just discussed. And I did just talk about Ferrans, but I'd be curious to see if it's not spoilerish, what some of the everybody else's character flaws or at least perceived I mean, right now might be. I mean, we, we I know from, episode, from episode one and two, we've already seen Akla's flaw, and it's a pretty big one. Right? Yeah, but that's, now, that's actually, more of a character class trait. makes no sense. Oh, hold on one second, guys. I want to ask a legitimate question here for Aqua. Do you have something on your chaos table that gives us money? Yeah, there is something on that chaos table that gives the party money. Give him a second, he's got to check. Okay, there is. There's also something that takes half the party's money. Oh, please, for the love of God, no. I mean, some of the things on there are written really confusingly. Uh um, And don't make a lot of sense. I don't remember all of them. But, like, there there was one of them that somehow gives the sorcerer a bonus action attack. Ooh, I'm okay with that. Are you talking about the one that puts him in a rage? Yes, that one. Well, wait a minute. It's not <laughs> a good he thing. And whoever's closest, which might be a party member. Yeah, no, I wasn't saying it was a good thing. I was saying it was a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. I mean, the wording of some of these are great. Like, uh, the, there, there's one of, your spell turns into a burst of flowers. This does nothing. Okay, Qu- stage magician. Qu- question. <laughs> Question on the rage one. Besides him attacking any random person as a bonus attack, does that also mean that well, if he casts this, a spell in that bonus attack, it again evokes the random table? It um, does not specify. This one will be fun if we ever get it. Every I'm gonna go with yes. <laughs> oh dear. Oh goddamn! That would be a fucking chain. So he could he could he could potentially cast a, a magic missile at a, at a thing of cobalts, and it winds up uh, invoking the rage, to which he fireballs one of the party members, which again invokes another. <laughs> but at that point, he'd be out of action. To to answer the original question, yes, there is stuff that gives the party money, or specifically yeah. me. Uh, there's one that gives me 5d20 gold pieces materialize on my person. Uh, a random oh, item treasure created on target's person. A stream of 1d4 times 10 gems, each worth 1 from your fingertip in a line 30 feet long and 5 feet wide. Okay, that one might actually do damage. Each gem deals one bludgeoning damage, and the total damage <laughs> of the gems is divided equally among all creatures in the line. <laughs> so, so real quickly, because you had mentioned that one, I just went ahead and did the roll on that. I maxed that roll out. Perfect. So, um, I mean, and, and these are actually like solid gems. They're not metaphysical. So they will still be there at the end of the fight. Like we can pick them up and sell yes. them later. <laughs> yes, that is, that is exactly what that is. Keith, I do have a question about that. That class had, a, had some wording stating every... Um, all the spells you cast are down, are leveled down by five levels. They count. They count as five levels lower. 
for purposes of a spell effects that uh, utilize spell level. So does that mean if you want to up-level something, you have to go five spell slots higher to get one level of effect out of it? No. So how, uh, does it, that, how does that affect anything? They, wor they worded it poorly in the way they built it. Um, the, the five levels lower is for wild surge results. Okay. That, that makes sense. So, uh, me, me and an armed bear had a discussion about that. There was like a lot in there that was really confusing, and a lot of it that was confusing, mm -hmm. I just straight up ignored because I don't know what the hell they were on about with it. Like uh, one of the lines in Arcane Flux, which causes the the arcane surges, the wild surges. Mm -hmm. um, there's a line in the bottom of it that says pre-prepared spells don't trigger a wild surge. For a wizard, all spells are pre-prepared. <laughs> yeah. I think it also depends on how you play, because I think some people, some people actually get really involved with uh with with role playing, and I I, I know it was like a requirement in the older Dungeons and Dragons uh, days where you actually had to have spell components and concentration and mm -hmm. a spell to cast a spell may take two turns to do because you're preparing the spell. You know, you know what I mean? So well, That stuff exists to a limited extent in 5e. Um, but like they did just say an arcane focus replaces most spell components. I'm, I'm pretty sure somebody, I'm pretty sure that somebody took a wild mage build from 4th edition and ported it to 5th edition and didn't do any of the things they needed to do to make it fit with 5th edition. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> so. It's unfortunate. Because um, I tried reading that thing and I had a similar response to Brian of, uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I'm not even sure what I just read. Pretty much, that's why, that's why I have been asking Anvil about, like, is it cool if, if, if my character does this and has this as an effect? Because... Uh, the, the the wild the wild mage thing homebrew on the website was pretty poorly written, so I'm pretty much rebuilding it from the ground up with the surge table and everything as uh, the framework. Well, question okay. is is the wild mage and the wild uh, wild mage effects table is it official Dungeons and Dragons or is it something no, that was homebrewed? homebrew? Okay. Well, no, um, the, wild mage, the Wild Mage Surge Table is official. They literally just took it from the Sorcerer. I, I think they changed it from the Sorcerer, so there are definitely a few of them that are different. Oh, uh, okay. In which case, then, uh, yeah, the, the Surge Table no, is a they, homebrew. They took the Surge Table from the cantrip that you're allowed to take, the Insane Dreamer thing. Okay. Um, th that's where they stole it from. Yeah. Uh, pretty pretty much the way I'm... Pretty much the way I'm treating that cantrip is that it's just a way for me to force a wild surge that uh, doesn't require me to, bet, to burn an additional spell on top of it. Yeah. That makes sense. It, it makes sense, but it almost feels like they would have protected the uh, the rest of the party more had he was forced to burn a spell slot. Because that means less spells that he would cast. Oh, that would help a hell of a lot. I... I am I am for, I'm forced to burn a slot uh, for the the wild dwemer anyway. It's just I don't have to I don't have to 
I don't have to burn an additional spell effect. Based off of what I read with that, uh, with that cantrip, you could... It was specifically set up so that you could use it when you were out of spell slots, but it caused a wild magic surge. So you could use your... Use spells that cost slots, um, but they could cause more insane things to happen. Okay, I'll have to re- I'll have to reread the cantrip then because that one was pretty poorly written too. That yeah, it was also terribly written. Um, it also had like a fifty percent chance of failing. Uh, yeah. I this, have a I have a secondary question to the to the wild card or to the wild mage uh, mechanic. And this one this one's more personal to to the character to Akla. Now we know Akla, and and again without spoilers, we know Akla is basically a wild mage because he's untrained and apparently has very bad luck for casting spells. But is well, there? Akla's Akla's not untrained. Akla is formally trained from the Mages College. He was expelled because he accidentally blew up the uh, um, headmaster's office one too many times. Uh, and that, that's that's his primary motivation of walking around uh, as an adventurer now is he's looking for a magic teacher that's actually willing to teach him. All right, fair enough. But uh, is this is this like something that uh, for for yourself is this something that it's the magic causing it, or is it something uh, of Akla itself causing it? Because as spoilers, uh, as we find out in the in the in the uh, next couple episodes and all that. You affect other things around you, like your bag of infinite holding, for example. Oh, that was yeah. fantastic. Uh, it, 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 has, it has to do with the character. I was hoping you guys would notice that. Um, um, Akla kind of exudes this chaos field, and it, it, it does affect his magic. And so it's actually going to be a thing that whenever Akla interacts with uh, any magical items throughout this campaign, uh, it is, there is potential for random effect. Yeah, don't so, touch, wait a so second, actually, don't touch my sword. I'm actually really glad, I'm actually really glad for Anvil's idea of the anytime Akla touches a magic item, there's a coin flip. Don't so, touch my sword. Hold, hold, hold on one second, <laughs> I, I, I want to make sure about of one thing real quickly. You said that he protrudes a magical field, is that beyond his person and like his immediate range is this going to affect everyone in the group that was that it's was going to be my five, next question he's five foot square oh thank his, god his chaos field is uh limited to his five foot square don't don't thank, thank god you. yet if he if he like lays hands on somebody that's attacking an enemy it could affect their weapons or their spell oh, because that would be within the five foot square well it, it's really more of a personal problem <laughs> <laughs> So, so, for actually, sake of argument, so, for sake of, sake of argument, Ferran's in melee combat with somebody carrying, you know, uh, plus one magic swords, and he comes up into my five foot square. My swords are now affected by his chaos magic. Yes, um, they could be. They could be. I'm going to leave it up for any for any magic item that is affected by the chaos field. I'm going to leave that up to Anvil to figure out. Much like the uh, the pulling things out of the uh, bag of infinite holding could result in a random item being pulled, um, 
I, 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 I will, will leave it to the DM to figure out one, or the coin flip will be on my end whether or not the chaos field goes off. But for, for if it does go off, the random effect uh, on the magic item in question will be up to the DM. I'm cool with that. All I know is so, I'm begging for, you, I'm for, begging Akla, I'm begging you. Whenever uh, Xavier actually flips his coin and decides to heal somebody, stay the fuck away from him. <laughs> uh, you know, I went out and bought healing potions in bottles because I wasn't sure what to expect from this group healing magic wise, and I wanted something that was guaranteed to work the way it's supposed to. Oh no. Oh no. I just realized. Potions healing potions are magic. <laughs> okay, so here's the question. <laughs> If I have a magic item inside my bag of holding, because it is technically inside another dimension, while he may affect my bag if I'm standing too close, will he affect the things inside the bag? Like, if I reach into the bag and manage to pull out the right thing. I'm going with he only affects things, ma magical items, or magic cast, if he's directly touching it. Okay. So, for instance, if Xavier casts a healing spell... But Keith is between Xavier and the person getting receiving the healing spell, it would affect it. But if Keith is standing next to the person, it won't. Okay, so, so as long basically as basically you're, you're saying the line, a line of effect. You're saying that magic yes. operates in the line of effect, and if I'm in the way of the line, it'll screw things up. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, so yeah, <laughs> so basically, Keith, I have one request. Duck. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was about to say. Is essentially Akla uh, will affect things if he acts in some way, shape, or form as like a filter for the action to go through. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so for run, you, who wants to use Akla as a meat shield for the next first wizard we meet? <laughs> I'm one hundred percent fine with this. <laughs> What's up, Alan? <laughs> So, you mentioned a couple minutes ago you being in a brawl with your magic swords and all that, trying to figure out Aqua's stupidity. Something I think that we should cover is I wasn't the sole star of Episode 2 with me and the Succubus. You had a very interesting role to play as well. Uh, well, again, with, with Ferran being as, as flawed as he is now uh, for this season... It, it, it made sense to me that Ferran would look for, uh, for lack of a better term here, therapy through pain. You, you know, uh, so when he got offered to get into a, uh, basically a Fight Club style match, you know, a cage match with a with with the, uh, I Tony always, the Tony the Tiger. <laughs> I always forget. I always forget what the race is called. I always call them like the Tiger Men because I can't remember the name. Um. He's great. No, no, not 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 his actual name, but the racist name, the Scrimshaw. Oh, yeah, you know that one. I always I always forget the name of it, so that's why I say Tiger Man. But uh, right. With uh, get when he offered to get into a a friendly competition, bare knuckle boxing match with him, it, it just seemed like that would be something that Ferran would do. Because win, lose, or draw, it gives him a chance. Like the combat gave him a chance to not think about things. Right. 
So, <laughs> little did I know I went in there and got my ass completely kicked. <laughs> I mean, it was a challenge level 13, so. <laughs> but you took on bare-fisted. Which, which if, you, if you look at it from the grand scheme of things, Ferran went toe-to-toe with the essence of Loth to save his father. And a couple episodes right. later, he can't beat a tiger. <laughs> Alcohol is a crazy thing, man. It really is. <laughs> but that 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 is true, and 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 quite honestly, as as sad as it is, that was the thus, thus far that has been the only combat in season two. It was a friendly yeah. competition, unless you count the succubus. You know, a, a, a third or a tenth or whatever. The, the grapple between. I mean, you uh, you could probably you could probably count Aqua shooting the dunk tank. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Or, or, or you grabbing Muggsy. Or 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 Ferran grabbing Muggsy. Yes, that that is true. That, that we we since we're talking about it, we do have to. We can officially do this now. We can actually talk to Dylan about his introduction into the Stumble Crew. And again, to uh, our DM, fuck you. I thought he was a goddamn NPC. <laughs> 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 this is what I, I, happens when we give Anvil free reign. I, I, do, I, do, I, do, I do have to give I do have to give Muggsy credit. His choice of introduction for himself really gave Akla the opportunity to do the confusion of like it, it, this, this isn't the pit that he sent us to. Like we're supposed to go to a pit, but I don't think this is the pit. <laughs> Well, again, Ferran's interaction with him was like, we stopped. The horses sensed it, like, and 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 Ferran jumped down to to scan what we were what the horses were sensing, and we found that this was a false patch, you know. And I was in the midst of being able to say, okay, this is a trap or a false floor or whatever else, and he comes up and it's like, don't walk on that idiot. I still <laughs> like the part where the horses refuse to move. Okay. I cast talk to animals and I ask the horse what's going on. <laughs> I I didn't prepare for that, but I probably should have. Yeah, well, that, that what, what I really liked is that you expected a coherent answer from a horse. It's a horse. Horses are actually very intelligent, and a horse would be able to tell me a little bit more about the road than what you did. Of course, yeah, of course. I disagree. You I've worked with horses disagree. my whole life, and I 100% disagree. Like, Come on, you never watch Mr. Ed? They're moderately intelligent, but they're not exactly linguists. <laughs> you never watch Mr. Ed or Hot to Trot? <laughs> Bojack Horseman? <laughs> that that's it, Anvil. Next time, next time uh, she talks to a horse, it's got to have a bobcat golf with voice. Just because I mentioned hot to trot. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. So so you know, in in character wise, especially with uh, out of character, thinking that that this Dylan person is an NPC. Especially because the way you guys hit it from us by like, oh, he's a buddy of mine. He just wanted to listen in. Is that cool? <laughs> sure. Uh, so the way I thought, I was like, man, I've already spoiled all of my surprises. Boom! Extra surprise. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure he can he can listen in. It's like, and I figured like during the first break when I went to go take a leak, 
you guys probably turned around like, hey, I've got this character for you. You want to play him? Yeah, go ahead. You know, and that that was it. That's why I'm like NPC, no big deal. So when he called us idiots and shit, it's like I'm in the middle of actually not being an idiot. You know, and it's like, all right, asshole, you want to fuck with me? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna get you out of my way. That didn't work to my favor either. <laughs> you went full murder hobo. Never go full murder hobo. I wasn't murder. I didn't go to kill him. I went to move him out of my way to, to just. I'm done with you already, you know, type deal. You knew what you were doing. <laughs> it's just not a good idea to do that Mugsy. Yeah. Well, I didn't know Mugsy was a real character and not just some asshole <laughs> on the road. <laughs> so, the reason I, I started that way wasn't because I was doing a great job. It was because I was told you guys were going to be in the pit when I showed up. So I sort of had, like, a, a, the beginning thought of, like, what's going on uh, planned and started to plan out what I was going to say um, at the beginning of the first episode. You know, <laughs> the first episode when I thought I was going to be drinking, or sorry, talking, not just drinking. <laughs> so I drank for an hour listening to you guys play, and then I'm like, oh, I have to start now. <laughs> I see where the mistake came in, and it was a beautiful mistake. It was. Yes. So I didn't actually mean to start off by just being called. You guys weren't being idiots. I shouldn't have started that way. I expected you to have been dumber first. <laughs> My, well, I mean, that's I fair. Expected, it is a stumble crew. <laughs> so, so I, I expected you guys to get down weapons out and look for enemies. and <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect a horse to say, the road is bad. <laughs> that's why... That's why you put it on a narrow road and the pit's on the side of the road. Yeah. <laughs> God almighty, that, that's hilarious. I mean, it, it, it worked out to its advantage. Like, uh, storyline-wise and for our listenership-wise, it, it was absolutely beautiful because they, you know, were introduced to this character and got a comedy gold moment out of it, which, unfortunately, I was the butt of the joke of. Not for the first time in this series. Um <laughs> Still remember stealing. Uh, Keith will remember this. The, still remember that time stealing the uh, the the blighted crows uh, uh, potions and shit. And the one time I did and wound up throwing up into some dude's hat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, things don't always go my and way. To be, fa- to be fair, there was at least one instance of Billy giving you one of the blighted crows potions. It's true. <laughs> To counteract the throwing up, but uh, no, the the uh, the, the, the fact the, the fact is is that you know it was a comedy moment and it, it really surprisingly enough it 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 showed your character more. Yeah. Than probably what was initially planned. Well. <laughs> probably. <laughs> because uh, uh, a, again, uh, Muggsy is in ha- is a halfling. And yes. when, when most, you know, our listeners and all that, uh, when most people think of a halfling, the first thing that comes to mind is like Bilbo, you know, or, 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 <laughs> or, or Frodo, you know, you, you, think Very of the happy go, you, you think of the happy go lucky fucking halfling that's worried about, you know, second breakfast <laughs> and taking a nap and, and farming. This guy comes in like an extra from fucking Goodfellas. 
Um, <laughs> I did base his character a little bit off of, I think, Joe Pesci from Goodfellas. <laughs> um, the really short dude um, doing the do I amuse you scene. So, so essentially, I buy that. So I, I just pictured that. I buy that. So essentially, Muggsy has a bit of a uh, Napoleon complex. Just a wee bit. <laughs> he, he's, that, he's, that, wee. he's that little chihuahua yeah. taking on a pit bull. He thinks he's bigger than what he is, but at the same time, he's the one that'll lock jaw on that fucker's neck. <laughs> he thinks he's bigger than he is, but he's also a lot bigger than people think he is. Right, because uh, your description was three foot high and three foot wide. He's basically a block. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's a 90-pound halfling, which is uh, about twice what a halfling should be. So I used to call him a three-quarterling. Now, see, that, that, see that's something... That's something I didn't get a chance to, to actually just, uh, dive into on the last episode. I definitely want to dig into this. He's not a new character for you. No. Um, I've played him in a pre-existing campaign because I thought I, when I got the text asking if I wanted to join the campaign that was going to start on Friday, I was assuming I was in the game. I didn't have time to just make a new character. So I, threw, I uh, picked up one of my favorites. Was he a retired character, or did the game just suspend? Yeah, the, he was a retired character. We finished the whole campaign, and then we just decided to end the, end with uh, with that one adventure. Well, with, um, with everybody leveling up or leveling uh, pretty much leveling up new characters to to fit current story arc, uh, what did Muggsy have to do since he was retired? Was did he have to level up to level I, down? Like, where was he at, and how much um, had changed? I kind of I took. He was at, I think, level 12 at the end of that campaign. Okay. Um, so I, I kind of looked at some of the stuff that he had and then just rebuilt him. Um, once I have a basis for a character, I'm pretty quick about making making them over again, or actually I can be pretty quick about throwing a new character together. Um, but I rarely have a decent personality for them if... I don't have a day or so to think about it. Well, see, this is interesting to me, especially because, like, uh, the Lost Realm, where all this takes place, is, is uh, the best. Way, the best way I've described it before is: think of all the Dungeons and Dragons realms, homebrews, and and legitimate mm -hmm. realms like Forgotten Realms, uh, Dragonlands, you know, all, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Shadowrun, all uh, not Shadowrun, but uh, uh, Ravenloft, and and all them. They're all in the outer part of the wheel. And the Lost Realm is supposed mm -hmm. to be the spoke, you know, for the sake of argument. It, it makes sense that, that your character would come from another dimension without spoiling, because I think it's something that should be discovered, you know, so we, I don't want details. I will but tell you. Did did uh, Muggsy's previous life, life exist for this Muggsy, or is he from the Lost Realm? He is, he is, his previous life did exist, sort of. Um, this previous campaign did not happen because um, that previous campaign was another one where the, it started with him getting pulled out of his world into another realm. Okay. This is the second time I've, got, I've dropped this guy into this. <laughs> <laughs> He's Jerry O'Connell at Sliders. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <Pretty mind. laughs> I was thinking Jonathan Reese Davies. <laughs> Sam Beckett, he's quantum leaping through fucking campaigns. <laughs> no, that's uh, that's another one of my characters. Uh, oh. I reused the same character so many times in in a uh, in one shot that we decided that his it was actually the weapon that was haunted, not the character. <laughs> Well, all right. Well, that that brings in that brings another question. Now, hindsight being twenty twenty, and obviously you were brought in last minute. You didn't know you were even going to be doing this, or even thinking that it would be more than a one off uh, performance. Uh, do you regret now that it was Muggsy and not a new character, or do you think Muggsy's the I right thing? There's a reason I brought him in on this. It's so he's so much fun to play. <laughs> He didn't even give you a chance to finish the question. No, nah, but it, it, it works, you know, because it, 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 it's right. That Muggsy fits the the quirky mentality of the Stumble Crew in the Lost Realm perfectly. I mean, yeah. He, uh, it's, he's just a blast to play, and I'm just always excited when I get – or I'm just excited when I get the opportunity. I'm, hell, I'm just happy to be playing D&D more. Nice. So yeah, I mean, it, 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 the now I got a question for everybody. Go ahead. I I got I got a question for everyone, and it's gonna seem a little off the rails, but just go with me for a second here. Has anyone seen the newest version of Hellboy that released last year? No. Nope. No. So I was I was going through my YouTube earlier today, and it recommended a clip from that movie, which I decided not to watch because my eyes would burn. But the clip was Hellboy meeting Baba Yaga, and it gave me an actual picture of what Baba Yaga looks could potentially look like, and what this house that the original Sumble Crew was supposed to be trying to get—the dancing hut. And yeah. all I can say, thank you. All I can say is, Anvil, I don't care how you do it, please incorporate her somewhere in this second season, because without going into spoilers for episode three, I have a personal reason to want to go after her, and now, even more so now that I have a picture behind it, I want her head. Yeah. I, I uh, imagine... I had already planned on definitely having Baba Yaga involved in this season. Now so. we can actually treat her like the bad guy. Well, <laughs> well, I imagine, I imagine, I and and obviously, I overstep my bounds. I'm not the DM. I almost, I almost kind of envision Baba Yaga being our, you know, uh, Doctor Claw in Inspector Gadget. Like she's always going there. She'll be incorporated, but she's always going to be the overarching nemesis to whatever incarnation of the Stumble Crew is running. I would imagine. Now, I could be wrong on that, but I've I've kind of gotten the impression, especially from season one, that that was kind of her role. Is that in some way, shape, or yeah, form, she's, she's, the, she's the puppet master pulling the strings that makes our lives miserable. She's definitely our Rita Repulsa. Yeah, Rita Repulsa. DM, is there anything you can say on that without getting too spoilery? Huh? I'm asking our DM if there's anything he can say about that without it getting too spoilery. 
I'm sorry, I missed that. <laughs> can, can we expect Baba Yaga to be an over or an overlapping source of contention for the Stumble Crew? Maybe not in a direct sense, but something of a behind the scenes, always pulling the strings for what we're going about for. I would go with yes. Honest, honestly, I'd be much more interested in seeing if Anvil's going to bring in like a uh, a Lord Zed type character to uh, Baba Yaga's Rita Repulsa. Oh God. Lord Zed, I could deal with. Just don't bring the fucking booger guy from the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Ivan, Ooze, Ivan Ooze was a pretty damn good performance. Like that actor doesn't get enough credit for what he did for that movie. <laughs> Just that, well, then again, you know, actually what I'm excited to, to possibly see is, and I, I, I listen to a lot of uh, role play content, uh, Dungeons and Dragons stuff, really content, uh, content of inspiration. And I think, and uh, you guys can follow me on this if you want, um, as, as a follow-up question or, or creatures you would like to see come in, is I'm hoping we get to see a gelatinous cube. I think that's a lost character. <laughs> I, not to spoil anything, but I get the feeling you're not going to be disappointed. Yay! But at the same time, you're also going to be terrified. Yeah. I know I know they're a pain in the ass, and I probably just screwed the crew, but, uh, you know, I was thinking about it. It's like there's a lot of well, characters, classic D&D characters or creatures, that don't really get used much in a lot of campaigns. A lot of people, like, don't use Beholders much, for example, anymore. You know, or or the, the gelatinous cube character. Uh I guess because I they think they're stupid. I might play D&D too much because I've run into a lot of both of those. I mean, Disney <laughs> diffused the gelatinous cube in Onward. <laughs> I still like, gotta watch that movie. Again. <laughs> a gelatinous beholder. I do have a question <laughs> though, guys. People who don't find slimes terrifying have obviously never encountered a gelatinous cube. Like, <laughs> I, I have a question though. Yeah. Go on. If you just dumped a basic substance on a gelatinous cube, wouldn't that neutralize it? Are they necessarily acidic? Yeah. They do acid damage when you're uh, being digested. So in other words, if I poured soap flakes on it... I don't know if that'd be a basic enough substance, because so you'd, you'd need a pretty harsh soap for it. Well, that's what I'm saying, soap flake. Or like uh, bleach. Like soap... Like lie. lie would work. Yeah. <laughs> I will pour lie on the gelatinous cube and see what happens. <laughs> Can we just neutralize it? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, how do you how do you how do you reliquify jello? Try it, but the issue with neutralizing it is you have to know precisely how acidic it is to get the proper base to neutralize it. Well, that that's why. That'd be an interesting character to see. A character that absolutely refuses to use magic and insists that science, science. that science no. can beat magic. Not oh, just, not just, no, no, no. I want to see a character. I, I want a character that just completely flat out refuses to believe that there is magic at all, and it's all just science. Flying, <laughs> <laughs> it's science. <laughs> well, I mean, to defeat the gelatinous cube, we can answer it with science. How do you reliquify Jello? <laughs> you water. 
saliva. I'm just gonna say one thing on this subject. I'm not a bad slime slurp. <laughs> Look, anybody who thinks uh, slimes are weak. That, that was a shameless plug for Journey to the East. Uh, so, any, uh, Anvil, anybody who uh, thinks any chance, any chance we might see Rimuru in uh, in this campaign? I'm not saying you won't. <laughs> Go ahead, Chris. Right. You've been trying to say something for a minute now. Oh, anybody anybody who says that slimes are a weak character have played too much Dragon Warrior slash Dragon Quest. That's all it is. Yeah. <laughs> It really wasn't worth all that, trust me. But no, it, it does raise a question. What creatures, I, I'm going to post to everybody and then leave off with Anvil. What creature do you hope, especially like uh, in the earlier editions of Dragons, makes a return maybe in Chronicles of the Lost Realm in some way, shape, or form? And then the question to Anvil will be, do you intend to, or at least did you intend to before this conversation, to incorporate some more lesser seen or lesser known creatures from D&D history. I definitely did plan on having quite the diversity of monsters. Um, and I've also, I will admit, in several places I've just like opened the book and flipped it to a random page with my eyes closed and then pointed and was like, all right, that's what the, that's what's going to be there. Oh, jeez. Yeah. You're in a nice tight cavern. It's 10 feet by 5 feet wide. And you're uh, you're now facing with a uh, with a five person party of Tiamat. Oh shit! <laughs> the room is suddenly bigger. <laughs> we're we're so fucked. I mean, isn't that who they met the very first episode of the D TV show? <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, pretty much. First game, well, first of all, characters just starting out Tiamat. <laughs> to be fair, they did lose. So, to answer Chris's question, I'll go first. I I can't say that I'm expecting anything specific because, again, I'm the least experienced in this group. Something that I would potentially be interested in seeing, though, I don't know why, but I'd like to face down a heartbeat. You know, I don't think... I have a thought. Not on a harpy. <laughs> I have never actually fought a harpy. That's... Yeah, no, I've never actually run into one. That's another rare one, yeah. Yeah. No, um... I want to see the Kutoa. Okay, I'm not familiar with the if Kutoa. So the Kutoa are a tribe of primal fish people that invent their own gods. What? They have enough subconscious energy and belief where if they encounter a thing or a force that start that seems godlike to them, There's they'll start be the water. they'll start believing they it and too? make their own gods. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cool with it. <laughs> so they're kind um, of so what you're saying is they're kind of like uh, the. Uh, uh, the goblins in uh, Warhammer. 
The orcs, Space yeah. 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 The orcs. Kind of like the orcs from, from 40k. Wow, I was thinking uh, completely <laughs> differently. I was thinking that that race of creature that uh, in the beginning of Star Trek, uh, the, the 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 reboot into darkness, when they uh, when they stole the uh, prayer scroll and were through the forest, and the and the little white creatures were chasing after them until the Enterprise, and they started worshiping the Enterprise. <laughs> no, no, these God. things literally will will create a god from their own psychic energy. Oh, okay. Um, or, or it not not only can they create a god from their own psychic energy, they can turn a character into a god with their own psychic energy if they think that you're powerful enough. I don't think they normally turn something into gods. I think they normally make a god that represents the character that's slaughtering them. Why do I get the feeling that if we run into these creatures and Keith's idea is what happens, Aqua's gonna turn into a god? Because of chaos. His chaos magic. Yeah, Aqua exactly. Chaos. <laughs> I, I repeat my previous statement then. We yes. are fucked. <laughs> that would be great. You're welcome, guys. If, uh, if, if, if if this campaign goes on long enough and we get high enough level, I would actually love to see a Tarrasque. All right, for the listeners, go ahead and describe what a Tarrasque is and why you want to fight it. Pretty much the most terrifying monster you can run into in D&D. Uh, why do you want to fight it? Giant creatures that dig tunnels and think a land shark, basically. It's a land shark. Wait a minute, didn't we face one of those already? No, no. We faced something similar, but much smaller. Which? Uh, uh, imagine the thing we faced, but uh, much bigger and more terrifying. Which, by the way, armored plate. which, by the way, not to not to not to take away from the conversation, I'm so disappointed in in like uh, Yui and and Anvil who listened to season one of Chronicles of the Lost Realm. And whenever we talk about season one, you guys never mention the uh, the farm where we went underground to get the scribble stone and ran into the land shark thing. And the the stone crew's answer to it was getting out of the tunnel, going to the farmer, and telling him he had to move. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. I'll give you a simple answer for me. I only watched the last episode of season one. I'm with him on that. Because that was because a classic. So, I just, I just want to say, you might be running into that farmer. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> my favorite, my favorite thing of that episode, though, Billy, you'll, re- yeah, he's not Billy anymore, but Billy will remember this. Uh, was the perfect toss of Hillman to Billy <laughs> and Silent. <laughs> When I went to go to sneak up on the uh, the goblins, and I was still carrying Hillman because he wouldn't shut up. <laughs> uh, but we got our asses kicked in there when that thing came out, and we just we left the tunnels underneath the uh, the farmer's house. And he says, "Well, what is it? Did you handle it?" And then we just walk up to him. Uh, I'm sorry to tell you, but you gotta move, <laughs> and left. <laughs> <laughs> Lord. Well, I mean, if you gotta go, you gotta go. <laughs> so anyway, the, the Tarrasque, uh, the, the, it reminded me of it. Sorry about that. Go off track, off tangent. The Tarrasque, so why why is it that you want to face that? Like, don't we have enough bad... Isn't a dragon a bad enough? 
He just stepped out. Give him a second to come back. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, it depends on how smart you're playing the dragon, but I've heard people argue that dragons are, should be scarier than uh, Tarasks. Well, I mean, you, you See, almost... I, I think what he wants to do is his last character died to a dragon. He wants this character to die to a Tarask. Oh, well, is, he just, sense. is he just picking the creatures that kill his characters? So, I think that might, might be what it is. So, so wins, that wins, would definitely be an interesting way to do it. So, so when does he create a character that gets killed by a succubus? I think yeah. Josh did that. I, I, I was going to say, why do you think I chose the harpy? <laughs> Damn, he was ready to kill his character that right then and there. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I, I don't want to kill this character. I want this character to thrive because I'm loving this character a lot. <laughs> yep. That is one thing I feel like bodes really well for our campaign is a lot of us feel really good about our characters and really connected to our characters. Well, I so mean... They wanted to know why you wanted to play. So I feel like it'd be a good challenge. That's it, just a challenge? I don't know if you thought that, but he was finally back in the answer the question of why the trap. I'm pulling out my 4th uh, edition monster manual, see if it's in there. Well, while he's, while he's looking it up, it's, it's uh, to, to play off of what Phoenix said, she's absolutely right. I mean, for myself personally, and I kind of got a glimpse at it out of Muggsy too, Veron was designed to be the son of my first ever D&D character, a character that I loved so much and was thrilled that I was actually able to retire him as opposed to throw him away because he got killed. That that I actually created a family dynamics so that way I could continue that lineage of, of character um, at some point, which obviously became Ferran. Um I still love the family lineage enough that I do hope that Ferran survives to retirement and can maybe create the next generation of Tectonolis in some way, shape, or form. You know, and especially because of the fact that even though they're carrying the, the, the same family name, they are drastically and dynamically different from each other. You know, so it, it, it I, I definitely am attached to Ferran in the sense that I'd love to see him reach, for lack of a better term, full maturity and retire as opposed to just, oh, okay, he, he's dead now. What's the next character I'm going to design? That being said, there's no guarantee it's going to happen. Any character you create, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Not fair his lineage definitely could... had those moments. <laughs> so, so a better description of a Tarask would be a fifty-foot death claw from Fallout. Okay. Uh, Fallout Four and Three, or Fallout New Vegas. Whichever one had the most terrifying death claws. Well, four had the most terrifying-looking death claws. New Vegas, they were damn near impossible to kill. True. <laughs> Those are the fucking Kaz doors. Kaz doors were hot because it was hard to fucking hit them. And they I would them. rather fight death claws over Kaz doors in, in New Vegas. Every day of the week. <laughs> anyway, death claw kaiju. Wait a minute, did you just say Death Claw Kaiju? Yep. That oh, good. God. Go home. Kaiju! Do not do 
<laughs> that's so terrible. The DM even said no. <laughs> and he's like, like, yeah, bad idea. Like I said, if this campaign goes on long enough and we get high enough level, because like a Tarask is something you take on when you're a party full of level twenty. That's gonna be a hard pass, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not making kaiju super beasts in a D&D campaign. It's just that's even too ridiculous for me. You know, kind of playing off of what you guys are talking about now, and I think Keith will appreciate this, and I think UA will too. Um, I almost kind of hope, especially if we if if we visit outside of the Lost Realm, which part of the reason the Lost Realm was designed the way it is is so that way we could visit existing D&D realms and worlds. So we could wind up on Kryn, for example, in Dragonlance. And I'm using this as an example because they exist here and, and exist in this type of format uh, where we run into like a gnome society who design us for lack of better terms here zords to fight mech a suits. dragon mech suits zords where <laughs> we're putting together our own lost that realm runs. version of Voltron <laughs> I think I have a friend who's working on writing that homebrew <laughs> <laughs> all, all, all I'm going to say is if we happen to come across these people that's how I want us to kill Baba Yaga the Stumble Cruise version of Voltron <laughs> I am down with that <laughs> like screw all of us just doing our max level skills and, and spells and all that we just form into one giant mech and we hunt her across the realms. Inebriation Sentai! Stumble Ranger! <laughs> oh, God, that I mean, sounds great. The closest I've come to that is had a I play a lot of short characters, and my friend was playing a full orc, so we had my fighter goblin right on the orc shoulders in the combat. <laughs> Master Blaster! <laughs> All of a sudden, I had the envisionment. Anybody remember, like, the old Transformer toys? Uh, that after a while, like, not, yeah. not the Gen 1s, but just after the Gen 1s, after the Transformers movie, they introduced, like, the head Transformers were the robots. Yeah, the Headmasters. The Headmasters. Yep. They had the little, they had the little uh, human suits that the robots. <laughs> Why did I just envision Muggsy doing that uh -huh. to our Voltron character? So you got this big body mech suit, and all of us are controlling each of the arms and the legs and the body and shit, and he just jumps in in this little suit, and he's the head. <laughs> Follow me, guys. We yeah, can do this. I'll, 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 I'll do you one better. He can't jump high enough to be the head, so instead he's the dick. Why's our robot got to have such a small dick? I mean, you you laugh, but uh, uh, Super Sentai actually did that with at least one of their series. There 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 is a running gag from a scene in uh, Express Sentai Tokyuger of their main mecha uh, definitely has a train dick. <laughs> oh my god. That's that's awesome. As long as it's as long as if we're doing a Dungeons and Dragons version of Ultron, it has to be the lions, not the cars. <laughs> <laughs>
We don't need 15 I billion parts. God, yes. I just want everybody to remember, long jump is based off, or long and high jumps are based off of strength. Um, and so if Muggsy takes a running start, he can jump roughly 16 feet. <laughs> <laughs> Again, never, ne never underestimate a halfling. Let's remember uh, Major General Hillman at the uh, endurance testing at the Druid camp. <laughs> They're a surprisingly limber race. <laughs> oh, good lord! Yeah, see, he says then I immediately think of Dimly from Two Towers telling Aragon to toss him into the pile of orcs. Yeah, toss okay, me! I guys, can't make the jump myself. I gotta get off here. Talk to you later. Oh, shit. I actually do, too. Yeah, so do I. Uh, th this is where we're going to end the episode, guys. Thank you very much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed it. If you in any capacity, hit that thumbs up button. Like, share, comment, subscribe. Check out all the other great Let's Plays and tabletop content of Sounds Dicey Gaming and, of course, our sister channel, Realm of the Miss Entertainment, for all your podcasting needs. And, of course, you can catch us live, uh, not live, but uh, in audio-only format in Realm of the Miss Entertainment on Anchor.fm, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, blah, 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 blah. You guys know the, the rest. And, of course, our Patreon supporters, thank you very, very much. For not a supporter yet, no problem, man. You want to uh, donate a dollar a month, we'll give you uh, exclusive content. Uh, as well as early releases of things like Chronicles of the Lost Realm. You can see the next episode an hour before, or a week before everybody else. So make sure on that. And for everybody here, uh, we will be seeing you Saturday on Twitch.tv for the next episode of Chronicles of the Lost Realm. So make sure you're there for that. 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Have a good night, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.